You're listening to Not Your Normal Hockey Podcast, Episode 3. I had the opportunity to chat with Greg Powers, head coach of Arizona State University, just before the season started during the USHL Fall Classic. We talked about so many things, so let's dive on in. This is Not Your Normal Hockey Podcast with your host, Julie Robenheimer. Hey, hey, everyone. I am so excited to bring you this interview today. I met Greg Powers last year and was immediately impressed by his attitude and philosophy behind not only building Arizona State's program to be competitive at the Division I level, but a perennial powerhouse. In this interview, we talked about everything from how he became the head coach of the program, the challenges they've worked through the past few years, how they learned from and plan to build on their success from last year's NCAA tournament appearance in only their third season at this level, updates on their new campus arena, what it means for a conference affiliation, including the potential for a Pac-12 conference in the future, plus their trip to China this summer, their volunteer goalie coach, Eddie Lack, how they're doing their part to build the brand of Sun Devil Athletics and Arizona State University, and insight into this year's team, including the guy they expect to drive the offensive bus for them this year and possibly even work his way into the Hobie Baker conversation as one of the more notable college hockey free agents this year. As you can tell, this interview is jam-packed. So without further delay, here's my chat with Arizona State University head coach, Greg Powers. One of the more interesting stories is about you and how you became the head coach of a Division I hockey program. I've heard it before, but for those who haven't heard it before, can you shed some light on how this whole thing unfolded for you? Yeah, I mean, professionally, it was something that I never wanted to be or tried to be or thought I would be uh, a hockey coach. You know, I've been in the game my entire life and and played club hockey at Arizona State and got completely out of it. And then um, in, uh, in 2007, um, the, the new head coach, the club team, um, wrote me back in as a volunteer assistant. And, and really, long story short, I was an assistant for two years and, and, and didn't even know if I wanted to do it, but fell in love with it. He, he moved on, um, and then it was time to find a new head coach at the club team. And, and in my mind, I didn't even consider myself a viable candidate um, because literally no experience. Two years as an assistant coach, I had my own business, uh, just started a family at the time. And, and so um, I said to the kids, I said, hey, you know, let's go find a new coach. Like, I care about the program. I'll help you guys, whoever I need to do. Whatever I need to do to, to go find the right guy, we'll do it. Because that's what I did for a living. You know, I own an executive recruiting firm. So, um, and they said, we want you to be our coach. And I was like, eh. <laughs> so I thought about it and, and it happened. And, and we had an incredibly successful run for five years. I was the head coach of the club team. We won 169 and 23. We won a national championship. We beat Penn State's Division One team. And, and then the whole Division One thing happened, um, which was even crazier. And, and completely out of the blue and not something we ever tried to do or planned to do in any way. Um, and, and I knew I wanted it. I knew I wanted it. And, and I think a lot of people thought that Ray, our, our athletic director, was crazy for even thinking about letting me, you know, start this program at the highest level of college hockey. And, and I met with him and I just said, look, if you don't think I'm the only guy for the job, don't hire me. I'll get out of the way. I'll be the first to buy season tickets. I love this place. I'll do anything I can to help you, but I know I can do it. You need somebody that has passion. You need somebody that loves this place above all else. And and with how quickly we had to jump into Division One hockey with no arena, no conference, 
six months, no planning, no staff, no infrastructure. I knew that if he went out and hired a, a big name and, and somebody with a ton of pedigree, that it had potentially catastrophic, you know, uh, results. Potential, yeah. you know, and because they had to get somebody that 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 just was going to grind through all the stuff we had to grind through, and and so I said it, 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 hire me if you think I'm the only guy, not not the best guy, the only guy. Get to know me, and we spent about two weeks together, and and he did, and and I've been extended three times now, and I don't see myself going anywhere anytime soon. So, what would you say was the biggest challenge for you in making that jump? You know, it, in 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 many ways, it, it 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 was easier, and it's been easier because at the club level, you know, you, you're you're not doing it for money, you're not doing it for a paycheck, you're doing it because you love the kids and you love the program, and and you're a one man band. I mean, you do the travel, you do the scheduling, you do everything. I mean, you you set up the game day protocol, you're posting sheets, you're making sure the DJ has the right music to play, you're doing everything. So, so when you when you go to Vision One, and then you get all these incredible resources, and you get to hire a staff and all these people to do things for you, it was surreal. So in many ways, it got easier. Um, but what was hard was was how fast we were forced to jump into it. Mm -hmm. It was now or never situation where the the guys that donated the money said, "You're going to go now." We had six months to put some semblance of a of a organization together, and. And we did it. And, and so hiring everybody and, and getting the right people around me was was obviously goal number one. And that's that's what any good CEO does. He just puts mm -hmm. really good people around him and trust them and let them do their job. And we have a great staff and, and, and it was a hard couple of years, but, but we like where we're at now. What about the recruiting aspect of it? And I want to say like the doors that that opened for you to really create a team um, in the vision that you wanted. Yeah, it, I mean, early it was, you know, it was hard. I mean, it was hard. There were so many things that were hard about building a program um, with how we did it. We were, we were like apples and oranges from Penn State, where from day one, you know, they hired Guy, who was an amazing coach and an unbelievable guy, and he's been great to me. But he had a full year coaching the club team and building an infrastructure and a building from day one and a conference from day one. So we had all these things to recruit to where with us, we were like an urban legend where it was just like, <laughs> what the hell's going on? Arizona State's going to Division One and they hire their club coach. What the, like these guys don't know what they're doing. Oh my God, you know, so it, it was it was hard to convey what our vision was um, and, and, and get people to, to buy it, mm -hmm. to buy into it and buy, get kids and families to buy into it. And it, and it took a while, and 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 so we, we just we sold a vision and passion, and 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 the ability and the the once in a lifetime opportunity to our mantra is be the tradition where you get to come to Arizona State and you get to be a founding father of, of something really cool and special, the first Pac-12 school to add hockey, and, and 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 the opportunity it's a blank canvas where you you know you can go to this long standing. This is the kind of the the. The, the thing we say to every kid, you can go to a great long-standing traditional program and maybe get your picture up on the, the wall of NHL guys. But with us, you can get your, maybe the hallway of NHL guys is named after you. You know I mean? There, there's literally endless um, opportunity in, in being a founding father of, 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 uh, of a new program. And that's what we sold and that's what our guys genuinely buy into. 
I remember I, I chatted with you last year and, and you said that we want guys who want to be here. And then that was like the biggest recruiting drive for you. And yeah. it was really easy to kind of separate mm -hmm. the, the talent pool in that re respect. Either you want to be here or you don't. And yep. if you don't want to be here, that's fine. Yep. But we want guys who want to be here. And I, I love yep. that aspect of it. 100%. And that's why I think we found so much success last year was because we finally had a room. Most importantly, we had genuine player leadership that was seasoned and you can't manufacture that. That's one really valuable lesson that we've learned in, in starting a new program. That has to take place and take shape naturally. But um, we had a room full of kids that just above all else wanted to be Sun Devils. They had options galore. They had, you know, high-end options and, and, and they didn't care that we didn't have a rink. They didn't care that we didn't have a conference. They they, you know, we, we, we made them read a book. It's called The Obstacle is the Way. And, and, and everybody from the outside perceives, you know, all the things that we don't have as obstacles as to why we couldn't be successful. And we have now a group of people that, that look at those perceived obstacles as advantages. And, mm -hmm. and when you can have a group of kids that understand um, how to turn adversity into advantage, and let everybody else worry about things that we don't worry about, then you're going to find success. And that's exactly what we have and, and why we found success last year. Well, let's talk about that success because I don't know from your perspective, but from outside Arizona, it was very unexpected. Mm -hmm. w w did you anticipate this kind of success this quickly? I didn't. I didn't. My, my goal pub privately, I never said it publicly because I knew people would think I was insane, but was to make... <laughs> The tournament before we left Oceanside, our, mm. our crappy little rink, and um, and we did it obviously, and then some. But um, I never said that. Kind of internally, that was what we wanted to do. We thought we would take a big step last year. We didn't ever quantify what that step looked like, um, but in my mind, I thought that this coming year would would be the year we could accomplish what we did last year. So in my mind, we were a year ahead of schedule. I think in everybody else's mind, we're probably light years ahead of schedule, but. Um, it was it was cool, you know. I, I think after we swept Michigan State, we were nine and three, and then we were like, okay, like we're legit. Like we we got a chance to do this and make a tournament, and and and, and we and we kept we just kept winning. I think the biggest challenge for you uh, was that you had to do it as an at large an at large bid, yeah. and you had the benefit of your entire schedule being non-conference, but then you also had the challenge of making sure that that schedule was challenging enough yeah. to make it work for you in terms of, you know, the algorithm and the pairwise yeah. and, and giving you enough uh, quality competition to put you in that position if you are successful. And I remember talking to you last year um, about the rush to get into a conference, and we'll talk about the conference in a bit, uh, but you're like, we're not in a rush. Yeah. We have enough strength in our schedule right now in, in what, whatever uh, games on the road, or games at home. Like We have enough quality competition coming our way to be able to, to do what we want to do. Yeah. And I, I, I love that it seems to be like a position of strength for you to be able to go out and have that kind of a schedule. Um, because without that you, you would never have the opportunity that you did last year. No, I, I mean, we, we've studied the pairwise every way from Sunday. Like, I mean, we, we know what it takes to be successful and to get where we need to go and, and how many games we need to win. I mean, literally, like, we know exactly what we need to do with the schedule laid out in front of us. It's designed for a reason. Um, 
we try to play as many you know high-end teams as we can and and the key to to making it as an independent is you have to win the games you're supposed to win mm-hmm. like you have to win the game we have a lot i think there's a lot of public criticism oh they won two games against tournament teams but we won every game that we are supposed to win we took care of business we earned our way in we had a couple huge wins that, that helped our, our cause like that penn state um and, and the same things this year like and we we have some really tough series quinnipiac denver wisconsin um you know michigan tech um some really high-end programs that we play harvard um and and then you know every every game is a tough game every weekend's a tough weekend but we also have a handful of series where we believe where we're at now as a program we have to win those games mm-hmm. so for us every weekend is a playoff game that's how we approach it one game at a time it's cliche but that's it's, that's literally how we approach it and um that's what we did last year and what we'll continue to do now you guys had a slow march because you're not part of playoffs so yeah. it was a long break before your tournament experience but i feel like it was in some ways um an opportunity to prepare because you knew you were going to make the tournament. Yeah. You you were solid in an at-large bid. So yeah. there was no like, you weren't bubblicious. You yeah. were in the tournament. How did you prepare that month? I know you have a countdown clock. Does yeah. it go back three weeks, four it, weeks? It, it did. It, it, <laughs> it, 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 was, it was like, oh my gosh, it feel like you're in the preseason again, you know? And for us, it was, it was difficult. Like, I'll be honest, like it, it, it like preparing for such a big game, and having that long and then having to watch everybody in their, their league playoffs, it was hard, you know, and, and we went to Minnesota and essentially there were, there were, there were two throwaway games for us. We, we were banged up We had seven guys with the flu and we went in and, and played them on their big guys. They were hot. They were maybe the best team in the country at the time. And it was an ugly weekend. So it, it just, that, that was, that was hard because even those two last games for us, um, we didn't play some guys and, and, and then the guys that we did, we just had to grind through a, a really ugly weekend. Um, and uh, and then we had 40 some odd days to prepare. And it's hard to simulate what, what you're gonna face, especially when you play a team like Quinnipiac, who's so experienced and so well coached and battle tested. Um, you can't simulate those 50-50 battles. You just can't do it. It's, it's hard as you, it's hard as you want to try, and, 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 and it's just not, not possible. So we got off to a, a slow start. And, and, and they took it to us for about, you know, a period and a half. And then the third, we really found our legs and, and we almost pulled it off. You know, we lost by a goal. But um, so we, we learned a lot. We learned a lot. And, and this year, if we're in that position, we have a contingency plan where we can we can add a game against a Canadian school mid, mid-March. And we have a couple options where um, we know we can do that. So we're not going to go through that again. Um, and uh, you live and learn, you know, and, but we're not going to let that happen again. And, and we're going to be in a league eventually. And, um, and, and those days of, of having to take 45 days off before you play, because this year we play Wisconsin and it's a, it's a week earlier than what we played in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. So this year, potentially, if we're, if we're fortunate enough to be in the same position, we're going to have an even longer layoff. So um, we're going to find a game and, and, uh, and sandwich one in and hopefully that'll, that'll prep us. What else did you learn about this experience, whether it be about your team or the tournament? Um, because, you know, like you said, you've this was your first experience yeah. as well in any capacity um, in terms of how to better prepare your team. Because there's obviously the on ice preparation, yeah. but I also feel like there has to be like a mental aspect to it as well, yeah. especially with the layoff. Yeah, I mean, it, it, 
I, I tried to do all I could to draw comparisons back to when we were an ACHA program because we had a long layoff as well. We <clears throat> we played in a, a conference that um, didn't have a league playoff, so there was about a month lag between that and the national tournament, which was also single elimination. Um, it, but but it's what was different was we were so dominant at that level that as, as usually the number one seed playing a 20 seed in the first round, you can knock off the rust without much concern. Um, <clears throat> where in NCAA Division One, everybody's so good, you know, and, and battle tested. So the, the biggest thing we learned is we just can't have that. <clears throat> excuse me, long of a layoff, um, and and build a contingency plan in while we're an independent to find a game, and we've done that. One of the things that's also interesting is how your team, as individuals, are getting better and better. Mm -hmm. Having your first uh, drafted player, um, and now you're getting more and more, and having players potentially signed as free agents, and the caliber of player that you are able to attract now, yeah. I'm assuming has to be a lot better, and recruiting has to be a lot more fun for you. Yeah, it's 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 easier, right? I mean, it's it's success breeds success, and. We, we, we have a, a great culture. We have fun. You know, we have fun. We're, we're a little bit outside of the box on social media and in and, and, and every way. We don't want to be average, run-of-the-mill, you know, college hockey. We want to be different. We are different, and we need to be different. And I think kids embrace that and like it. We have fun. We have fun. Every day our guys show up, the number one goal of our program is let's make that part of our day the best part of our day. And we do that, genuinely. Our guys like being at the rink. You know, we're not a staff that walks in the room and the jukebox stops and, you know, we have fun together. And and um, and, and that's what I think sets us apart. Um, and, and, and that's not going to change. And I think that that when kids see that from the outside, they want to be a part of it and they, they can see that oh, I can go and, and have fun and go to a unique place and build a program. And I can have success and I can accomplish goals of playing in the National Hockey League because we have kids that are getting the sniffs and even Joey Decord, he was a seventh round pick and nobody out East wanted him. That's why he came to us. Nobody wanted him. Um, he was a shot in the dark draft pick with Ottawa. He had a lot of potential, but a lot of people didn't believe in him. And, and we helped develop him into a guy that played in the NHL last year. And, and that was really cool to see. And the kids that we have, Johnny Walker, Brinson Pashnuk, um, undrafted kids that, that were offered contracts and came back for their junior and senior years. And, and I believe Johnny's going to lead the, the country in goals again, and Brinson's going to be one of the top defensemen in college hockey, and, and they have a chance to play in the NHL. So, you know, we're getting the higher caliber kids, you know, on paper now to commit to us and come in, and, and, and when they can see that what we've been able to do and accomplish with kids that were not deemed as high caliber as them when they first came to us and, and have the success that they've had, I think it, it starts to pick up steam and, and good things happen. In terms of the success that is potentially ahead for you, um, I'm curious, again, you mentioned a league, and we'll talk about that in a minute. I immediately want to talk about a, a rink. What is going on with the status of, of your new rink? So it's, it's exciting. It, it's, it's, um, there was an RFP process that, that took place about a year ago, and essentially um, they had to rebid um, about three months ago because of the, the site that they put the RFP process on originally was next to a butte in the dig 
was incredibly expensive. So they wanted to re rebid and, and, and move the site on campus, and they're doing that. Um, I believe the, the new bid is going to get awarded in the next couple of weeks. Um, the plan is definitively to be in the new building by 2021. The funding mechanism is set. Um, they're working really hard. What people don't realize is how fast we jumped into this. We knew it was going to be rigorous to, to figure the facility issue out. They were in the middle of a $300 million renovation of the football stadium. They're in the middle of, of moving the golf program off campus and doing a multi-million dollar renovation to the new golf course. Um, uh, they moved the baseball team off campus to the A's old spring training facility um, and, and did about a $15 million renovation of that. So we had to wait our turn in line. And, and now we're first in line and, and, and excited for what's what's uh, in the very near future. And, and again, we're just we're just embracing what we have and and and, you know, enjoying playing in a little barn. But we, we we're looking forward to getting into a, a new building. So does that mean we should anticipate you joining a conference? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, that, that's becoming very clear. And I think. Um, people are, are at ease with knowing that a building is, is for sure on its way. And, and then when shovels go in and, and it's going to be in a couple months um, at the very latest, I think some options will present themselves and, and we'll figure out what's going to be best for our program. But um, it, it, we're excited to get into a league. I think there's a lot of obviously advantages of doing it. If we could go back and that's the beauty of hindsight, when we first announced, we would just have said, we're not going to join a league for five, six years. We're going to get our house in order. We're going to worry about ourselves. Um, I was always convinced we could have success as an independent. Um, we have had success as an independent. Uh, hasn't stymied the, the growth of our program in any way. So I think everything's unfolded, you know, in some ways naturally, in some ways kind of luckily the way we've wanted it to unfold. And, and we're going to join a league and be in a building at the perfect time to take that next step as a program. Well, as you said, it, it, the real key here is that you're able to get that strength of schedule to yep. give you the opportunities that you feel that you're capable of earning mm -hmm. on your own, which I think is a huge benefit to this, we'll say, long-term conference plan. Yeah. And I, I have to ask, because everybody who loves college hockey is curious about the possibility of a Pac-12. Yeah hockey conference and what that could look like. I know there are a lot of really great rivalries and games and leagues at a club level. Yep. Um, and it's really just kind of generating that interest that this is a good opportunity for, for teams. And, you know, the biggest thing for the Big Ten was having hockey at the table, yeah. which they couldn't have until they had six teams. Right. I have to assume that it's the same situation here where nobody's really talking about hockey as a potential conference um, in your league because you're not at the table yet. But right. now that Penn State is has joined the party and hockey is at the table at Big Ten conference meetings, more programs within that league are yeah. asking more questions and how could we do things. Is there a similar chatter kind of underground we'll say in yeah, I guess in you, could, you could say that um, we've we've certainly grabbed the attention of a lot of people out west you know and, and and I think the the moral of the story is if Arizona State can do what they're doing um, with the lack of perceived resources the, the no arena no conference and jumping into it as fast as they did with a third of the startup capital that Penn State did um, why can't we you know, and, and that's the approach we want. <clears throat> we want everybody to look at and take. And, and, and what I tell everybody is we are the realistic model. 
-hmm. You don't have to have a hundred million in a building and all these things figured out. You can figure things out along the way if you just have the right people involved. And and that's what we've done. And and so we want to be the realistic model and pioneer out west where um, you know ADs and, and, and administrations look at what we've done and, and decide that they can do it too. And I think that in a decade we could have it. I really do. And, and I mean, why not? I mean, hockey, we believe and know when we have that arena, we're going to be a revenue sport and we're going to make our university money. And, and there's no reason why UCLA and USC and Stanford and Oregon and, and Colorado and Utah and all those schools couldn't do it. Um, so you know we're doing we're doing our part. We, we want to be a pioneer. We're going to go play Harvard and Irvine this year, and in the heart of Pac-12 country. And we have plans to to maybe play a big name school um, up in the Northwest in a, in a couple of years. And 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 we're going to go and 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 expose those areas to Division One college hockey and make schools like Washington and Oregon and USC and UCLA take notice and invite them and invite their ADs and administrators to those games so they can see the campus effect and what everything, that the great things that college hockey brings to a university. And so um, we're excited about the possibilities and we're gonna keep doing our part. That's so exciting. Yeah. One of the other exciting things is your new goalie coach. Yeah. How did that come about that, that Eddie Lack has now joined the program? Well, he, he, he retired, at least temporarily, and, and if he gets healthy, that, that you know, he, he can, may go back and try and play. He doesn't know yet, but so he, he decided to retire in Arizona um, and uh, get into real estate, and that's where he and his wife wanted to kind of settle. And um, he was rehabbing a little bit at our rink and skating in the off season with our guys. And then um, when he decided he wasn't gonna play, he kept kind of coming around. He was in our room and coming to games, got to be good buddies with our equipment guy. And then long story short, our goalie coach, volunteer goalie coach, I promoted to ops director. So we had an opening and um, Eddie expressed interest and we had hit it off and he just is an unbelievable guy. You know, he's great with our guys and not just our goalies, but just his, his pedigree and his knowledge and his infectious, attitude has been a, a huge breath of fresh air and we're excited to, to, to get to work with him and, and, and go through the, the grind of a season with him. He, he's doing a great job. We're incredibly thrilled to have him. I feel like it has to be uh, even more of a value just to have somebody who so recently was a part of professional hockey and, yeah. and knowing kind of what it takes, not only just to help your, your guys win at this level, but helping to develop them and, yep. and encourage them along their path as well. Oh yeah, I mean, he, he, there's nothing he can say where any one of our guys are gonna look at him and, and, and question that he knows what he's talking about, you know? and, and um, that's huge. You, you know, I've surrounded myself with such a good staff and Alex Hicks who played in the NHL and Mike Field who coached with some big time guys like Jim Montgomery and Matt Shaw. And um, so we, we've got a great group of guys that, that um, are doing a heck of a job. Plus, you're right about the personality. He's got to bring a lot of fun to the party. Oh, yeah. Eddie's, Eddie's, <laughs> Eddie's got a smile on his face 24-7. There's no doubt about that. So let's talk about this year's team and what we can expect from them. Who are some of the guys we should be paying attention to? Well, we're, we're excited. We, we took a trip to China this summer, and, and, and you know we have five games already under our belt. So we figured a lot of things out. We won that tournament, and um, we're really excited about everybody. I think returning-wise, um, we, we didn't lose too much. I mean, I think we returned almost 90% of our scoring. Um, we lost our goaltender, Joey Decord, to, he signed with Ottawa, but we love what we have 
coming in behind him and Evan DeBrower, who was with us last year, and then Max Prozic, a transfer from BU, who's eligible right away. <clears throat> so we like our depth at that position, and we believe in those guys, and we can win with them. Um, but uh, the two guys, obviously, that, that will lead the way for us are Brinson Pashnuk, our captain. Um, we believe he's going to play in the NHL. He, he's, he's, in my opinion, the best returning defenseman in college hockey with all the great guys that signed and left. Um, and then we have the leading goal scorer in the country back in Johnny Walker. So you, you, usually that's what it takes. If you have two really elite guys in the back end and the front end, um, you have enough to, to win. And, and we, we love our character and our player leadership. So we're excited. Um, we know it's going to be really hard to, to replicate and even improve on what we did last year, but I think we have the group to do it. I'm going to talk about China in a little bit, as you mentioned, but I want to talk about Johnny Walker because I feel like his story is so interesting. He's a local guy, and what I'm told is that he bugged the crap out of you yeah. to get to be on this team. Can you share a little bit your perspective of that story? He he was always, and he, I'm clo really close with him. He's, he's like a son to me. He, he He's such a good kid, but he, you know, he had issues <laughs> growing up you know like going through his junior career he, he you know he's he's an emotional competitive kid and and he's learned to channel all that into a positive thing and, and that's why he's so good <clears throat> and dominant and johnny um he was out of shape to mm -hmm. be very blunt he was out of shape he was scoring but he, he he you know he wanted to be a part of our program which is what we want he's a local kid he came in met with me um and, and it was uh, it was his second to last year of juniors. He was visibly out of shape. And I said, Johnny, like, I'm not going to commit you when I could take my shirt off next to you and look better. Like, that's not a good thing. I'm a lot <laughs> older than you. And um, and so uh, he took that to heart. He went and did kickboxing and and did a bunch of stuff. I saw him a month later. He looked great. Started the, the season in the North American League, lit the world on fire and and. Um, and we committed him, and um, and then he went to Chicago his following year, won a Clark Cup in the USHL, and was a leading goal scorer for freshmen in the country. Then last year he led the country in goals, um, and and he's not going to slow down. He had seven goals in China in five games, so we're really uh, proud of him, and and he's a great kid, and um, you know so. I have a feeling we're going to be fending off the dogs to try and get him back for his senior year. But if that happens, we're, we're going to be happy for him, and, and hopefully we get him back. But we're just going to enjoy the time we do have with him. When he told me that story, <clears throat> the most impressive aspect to it, in my opinion, was when he told me that he lost 50 pounds yeah. because of it. And like I just can't even imagine a player being so dedicated to, yeah. to wanting – something and committing himself so wholly to it um, with so much work ahead of him in order to get there. Because it's one thing yeah. to commit yourself when you're already pretty good and top of the game and you're really close, but he was so far behind yep. and has come so far in such a short amount of time. It's incredible to see. Yeah, his, his maturation like from the day that, that he came into my office for that first time to even now, it, it's been unbelievable. Like he, he's figured out, he everything everything it's up to him like he controls everything was within his control to to be a player in the nhl and even this off season i mean he he dedicated himself to training and nutrition and and everything more so than he's ever done and and you could see it he has separation out there he wins battles on the wall his details better um he takes everything to heart that that 
he needs to in order to continue to improve. And um, I, I would I would put anything on it. He's going to have a huge year because of it. You mentioned China, <coughs> and I know that as a program, you are looking to provide opportunities for your players. Um, and as part of the NCAA rules, you can play overseas once every four years. Mm -hmm. You guys really went went for it with yeah. this opportunity. How did it come about, and what was the experience like? It, I mean, it was it, while we're not in a league, um, you know, we didn't have an arena. Th this senior class is really our first real four-year cycle legitimate Division One senior class, and and I wanted to do something nice for those five kids and reward them for helping us build our program. So we came up with an overseas trip. Um, we're very active in China as a university. We have 4,000 Chinese students. So that's where we picked to go and, and we're able to play in a tournament with, with four pro teams and um, the life experience and the bonding that our guys got to experience. It was awesome. It was like in every way, it, it exceeded expectations. The people were incredible over there um, and, and, and it was awesome. So I think our seniors are appreciative of that and they, they deserve it. And it's something we now know we're going to do once every four years. It was just, it was too good not to. The competitive uh, advantage that you get um, everything it, it just it just makes sense so if you can <clears throat> excuse me if you can make it happen from a financial wherewithal standpoint there's no reason not to do it and, mm -hmm. and we're gonna make it happen I loved following <clears throat> your team on social media during that trip because your social media team absolutely crushed it yeah I, I wanted to be on that trip yeah. <laughs> just to be part of it but my favorite segment was the snack shack oh yeah have you participated in the snack shack I segment? have once I did it in China I did it in China um, it was uh god what was it? it was like pig's feet yeah you know and it was not good um but uh yeah john john and mitch john's our equipment guy mitch is our sid and <laughs> it, it, like i said it, 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 they they have um they've done a great job mitch mitch has done a great job capturing our culture and letting it kind of out on social media that's that's who we are we have yeah. fun in every aspect of our program this is a game, and, and if you're not gonna have fun playing this game, why are you doing it? There's yeah. a million other things you can do with your life, so um, we'll continue to have fun, and hopefully people can be entertained. But yeah, John hasn't actually invited me on a snack chat, chat yet in the regular season, so maybe this is my year, we'll see. Well, I missed the segment of you in China, the one that I saw, he was testing out like treats, like like bad for you food, yeah. and my, the funniest one is the first one wasn't so bad, and the second one he's like, don't eat that one. Yeah. <laughs> it was so bad. Like, I feel like if he had a napkin and he could have spit it out, he probably would have, which is what made it even funnier as yeah. you watched him try to eat it. Yeah. Um, but that's definitely one of my favorite segments because for me, as I walk, uh, travel around and go to different games, I like to judge the media meals because as yep. somebody who has to eat whatever's put in front of them, if you're serving more than pizza, I'm Absolutely. excited. <laughs> yep. Yep. So I love the concept of the snack chat, of the snack shack chat. Yeah, it's a tongue twister. It is, it is. Well, I so appreciate your time. I'm so excited to see what's ahead for Arizona State's hockey program. Um, and I'm so excited for you as well. Like you said, you know, more in your future, more opportunities to grow um, for you as a head coach um, and as someone leading this program. It's definitely exciting to see. Thank you so much for having me on, Julie. I appreciate it. 
A big fat thank you to Arizona State head coach Greg Powers for that incredible interview. It is obvious Ray Anderson, Arizona State's athletic director, got it 100% right when he hired Greg to be their head coach. Such big vision for this program that is blowing all expectations out of the water. They are setting the bar outrageously high for the next program that decides to join the Division I college hockey party, and I am so here for it. In the interview, we briefly touched on Johnny Walker's story, but if you want to learn more about his journey from riding shotgun on the struggle bus in the North American Hockey League at 18 to one of the best offensive players in college hockey just five years later, I've got a feature out on EP Rinkside about the 23-year-old from Arizona who has a lot of scouts wondering if this late bloomer can replicate that production at the NHL level. So make sure you go check it out. But before you do that, I'm curious, what was your favorite part of today's episode? Take a screenshot and share it with your friends and don't forget to tag me so that I can see it too. If you love the show and all the content I provide across all platforms, make sure to like, share, subscribe, and do all the things to let others know about the show. And if you really, really like what I do, consider becoming a patron for exclusive bonus content like video Q&As, written features, and extra podcasts. You can find more information on my website, julierobenheimer.com. That does it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, stay humble and be awesome. This is the end of today's episode. If you enjoyed the show and can't wait for the next one, be sure to like, subscribe, rate, and review the show to help more listeners find it. And go to julierobenheimer.com for more.